Welcome to Speaking of Money with FCE Group. Our guest today is Fred Sloan, President and CEO of FCE Group, a Barron's rated wealth management firm located in Lake Success, New York. Welcome, Fred. Good morning. And actually, before we get into today's topic, I happen to have the July issue of uh, Financial Advisor Magazine in front of me, and I believe congratulations are in order. Uh, FCE ranks as the top independent RIA in Long Island. Um, and this isn't the first time in that survey, correct? Congratulations. Thank you. It's gratifying to see that the firm has grown uh, over the years. We're not uh, focused on growth for growth's sake, but I think the fact that we have become uh, the largest firm based in Long Island that does what we do is really a function of the service we provide to clients and the, the diligence with which we've gone about our work uh, and the fact that we've been at it for over 35 years. Our clientele, uh, by the way, many are themselves in Long Island, but uh, lots of others are elsewhere in the New York area and also elsewhere around the country. So uh, uh, it is gratifying. Thanks. And terrific. Congratulations once again. Uh, today's topic, active versus passive investing. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about ETFs uh, versus other products like mutual funds and then spend a little bit of time talking about uh, how you choose between one or the other. So first of all, can you break it down for us? What, what do we mean? We see this in the press all the time. What's the difference between active investing and passive investing and why should the, the average investor even care? Active investing is the idea and based around the philosophy that a smart portfolio manager or a smart analyst can outperform the averages through some sort of selection process. Uh, passive investing is the idea that it is very difficult to outperform the averages for reasons I'll explain in a second, and therefore that it's not worth paying the cost of active management, that one should be satisfied just to earn the average return of an index of whatever asset class one is investing in. Uh, the, the reasons that most active managers don't outperform passive managers in some asset classes, which I'll explain, have to do with the fact that uh, the market for, for example, large cap uh, U.S. stocks is really quite efficient. There's a great deal of information out there that investors of all different kinds can access very easily and at very low cost. And as a result, the price of most of those securities tend to reflect the vast majority, if not all, of what is known by the market. So therefore, it's very hard to get an edge. So more efficient, less edge, more conducive to perhaps investing via an ETF then? In some asset classes, be beginning with uh, the one that I cited, which is large cap US equities. So uh, we find that as you look into different asset classes, uh, there are some in which there may be more merit to active investing, others in which there aren't. But the philosophy that we have is that we want to achieve our clients' investment objectives at the lowest possible cost. And that, in some cases, does point us towards passive investing, which again is the idea of trying to replicate the average return of a given asset class. Okay. And so to that end, maybe you can give an example where there are some less efficient asset classes and or asset classes where active managers 
return their key by actively selecting the component. I can give two examples where the, the odds of an active manager earning his or her keep are greater. One would be something like uh, emerging markets equities. Uh, these, of course, are stocks in countries that are, are not the U.S. and not what we call the developed markets such as Europe and Japan, places like India, Brazil, uh, China, Russia, some other countries that sort of are, are considered emerging markets. And there, because the market averages are so heavily weighted to a small number of very large companies, there are a lar really a large universe of smaller, less understood companies that are more difficult to research and therefore the edge that a manager can get from spending the time and money to do that to really understand the markets those companies are in and what they're doing uh, would be valuable. A second example would be in fixed income. Unlike the equity markets, the fixed income markets are much more fragmented and uh, in many sectors, much less efficient. So, and, and in many, by the way, uh, uh, they tend to be sort of retail driven and subject to movements that really are, are uh, different from what you would expect based on their interest rate and credit risk. So therefore, in fixed income, there are much more opportunities for an active manager to rotate among different sectors and to select securities within those sectors. So those would be two examples where, where active management has earned its keep uh, far better than in the asset class I originally cited, which was large cap equities. So it sounds like when we say active management, it's not just a matter of research edge. It sounds like, as you describe fixed income, namely bonds, that there also has to, there, there's some type of execution element to it as well, to the extent it sounds like maybe those markets are a little bit less liquid. There, there is, uh, there is, really a as you as you're alluding to. There's a technical side to the ability to select securities and earn returns in addition to the fundamental side. The technical side has to do with how the markets trade, the bid offer spreads, the the counterparties, the markets, etc. Uh, so, so that is an element of it too. It's true. It's true. So then with regard to the specific products that are out there, it seems as though ETFs or, or exchange-traded funds, as they're known, they tend to be associated with the passive investing crowd. Mutual funds tend to be associated with the active investment management crowd. Is that always the case? What, what's the difference, and why might a fund manager choose one structure versus the other? It's not always the case. And as a matter of fact, the structure in which the investment is held, whether it's an exchange-traded fund, a mutual fund, or a separate account, the structure of how it's held is really independent of whether it's active or passive. For example, there are mutual funds that are purely passive. There are S&P 500 index funds that are in the form of mutual funds that are very inexpensive, and they're classic examples of passive investments. There are also actively managed, more concentrated, more specialized mutual funds. With exchange-traded funds, there are some that mirror or attempt to mirror an average very closely and are lower cost, but there are others that tilt towards certain styles or focus on certain sectors that might be called uh, such, such things as smart, smart beta or semi-active or semi-passive that are sort of in between. Separate accounts do tend to be 
more actively managed than passive. But it is uh, clear, in, in essence, that the two decisions are independent of one another. Decision one, should you be active or passive in the asset class? And within that, can you find active managers that earn their fees by outperforming? And then question two is, in what form is it most efficient to hold that investment? Wow. So it sounds like, an, to a large degree, uh, the answer is it depends. How does a firm like your own decide? With, with, I think I heard a statistic the other day. There are now officially more exchange-traded funds than there are actual securities. Uh, maybe that pertains only to the equity markets. I don't know for sure. How does a firm like yours decide when to go active versus passive or ETF versus mutual fund versus managed account? We've built a process whereby our investment team can get to an apples-to-apples -apples comparison of the underlying investment strategy alongside the different forms in which that strategy can be held and the costs of those different vehicles. So we look for whether active performance is available, uh, active outperformance is available. If so, can we identify managers that have demonstrated the ability to do that repeatedly over time? And then in what form does it make the most sense to implement that? It, and, and that, that is a process that we go through regularly that our investment team uh, implements and that our investment committee and our senior des decision makers evaluate regularly. Terrific. Well, thank you for walking us through that, Fred. Uh, thank you for tuning in. This has been Speaking of Money with FCE Group.